the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth Jr. Well, what's up, everybody? You know what day it is today. It's Worship Wednesday, and I'm back with you on the podcast, Ted Shuttlesworth, here in Prince Albert, Saskatchewan, in Canada, and uh, it's Worship Wednesday. I honestly don't know how long today's podcast is going to be. You obviously know because you're looking at the timeline. I don't in the time I'm recording this because today is basically going to be a rant. I have been sitting in this room thinking of things (laughs) in praise and worship services that annoy me to no end. (laughs) And so today I'm going to do a podcast for Worship Wednesday on nine things that worship leaders need to stop saying. Nine things worship leaders need to stop saying because I'm tired of it. I've traveled all over the place and seen a lot of stuff and there's a lot of nonsense. No question. A lot of nonsense. And uh, so today I just sat here. I was writing down all the things I've encountered and um, that's why we're going to do a rant today. I don't often do rants, but today I feel like doing one. It's fun. (laughs) it's fun to get it out of your system and onto a digital format for the world to hear and judge. And that's what we're doing today. So welcome to the show. Welcome to the episode. And those of you that have been in church for any given period of time will have encountered probably all nine of these. And you'll agree with me that they are stupid. (laughs) They are stupid. And, um, Obviously, we should always be pushing to go to the next level and to become greater at what we're called to do. No question about that. And uh, so part of that is is me pointing out stupid things that I am tired of hearing, don't want to hear them anymore. So, um, and I'm sure you've, you've dealt with these too. And really, some of these are so far out there that you probably don't see them happen often. But if you've, haven't, if you've had them happen at least once in your life, you know it's enough. So this is kind of like along those lines of when we did the uh, stories from the road kind of a thing. But this is this is more along the lines of what I've actually experienced in my life in worship services. And um, man, those of you listening, uh, I wish you'd tag me in something on social media and let me know that I'm not alone, not by myself but that you've experienced some, at least some of these things as well. And um, hopefully as we cover these, somebody will hear it and it'll help them to stop doing these stupid things. (laughs) Uh, It's going to be a good day. Worship Wednesday's in full effect. And uh, tonight's my last night, by the way, in Prince Albert, Saskatchewan, here in Canada. And uh, tomorrow I fly home to the wonderful and beautiful Carolyn Shuttlesworth and the kiddos. Looking forward to seeing them. Can't believe I said the word kiddos. I don't even say that word. So I retract it. The kids. Um, (laughs) But anyway, today's going to be good. And some of this stuff really, uh, I'm not just ranting for the sake of ranting, but it's distracting. You know, some of the stuff, it's not just distracting. It's like, it's, it's dumb to the point where it'll, it literally like just pulls you out of the entire 
worship environment or moment, what, what God's trying to do. All it takes is a few dumb remarks from the leader to just kind of like suck the attention, focus, anointing out of the room because they're not being sensitive to the Holy Spirit or just being too flippant in the service, which I try never to be. But um, <laughs> also these things I just think are stupid. So <laughs> we're going to jump in. Um, I don't even know if you want to take notes or just kind of sit back and enjoy. <laughs> I don't know that there really will be notes to take other than me just mercilessly mocking what I've heard other people do, which I have no problem with because some people need to be mocked out of their foolishness. And I say that in all love because I'm walking in love today. Amen. I tell the truth in love. I don't hate you. If you do these things, I'm not mad at you. I'm just here to tell you, stop doing them. I am your prophet, Jeremiah, <laughs> for, for these for these nine stupid things. All right, let's jump in. That's enough preamble. Let's get right into this. All right, number one, this is a pet peeve of mine. And if you're a worship leader, stop doing this. Please stop doing this. I've probably mentioned it on the podcast before. But number one is this. Stop exhorting people between the songs using the words of the very next song that you're about to sing. It's corny, it's cheesy, and it comes across as though you don't know what to say and have nothing in your spirit to share with people. So it's like, you know, if your next song is Our God by Chris Tomlin, don't say in between songs, how many know our God is greater, amen. Our God is stronger, hallelujah. Our God is higher than any other, amen. Let's lift our hands, click it off. You know, that is not a good exhortation. That is merely you saying the lyrics of the next song that you're about to sing. Don't do that. Um, <laughs> another example. How many know it is his breath in our lungs? Amen. So we will pour out our praise tonight. We'll pour out our praise. I can't even say these things without laughing because to me, it's like ridiculous. Stop saying the words <laughs> of the next song as your exhortation of the crowd and the people in the church. Actually, you know, be in the word to have something in your spirit to share with people, you know. Have a scripture, have a verse, you know, look over your set list and, and put some scriptures together that go with what you're talking about. And, um, you know, for example, if you were doing that song, um, what's the one I was just doing? Um, you know, it's your breath in our lungs for our praise. Uh, great are you Lord. Um, all sons and daughters, great are you Lord. You know, you could, you could, if you were going to talk about that part, you could use that scripture where the Bible says that you're not your own, that you've been bought with a price. You could talk about how the blood of Jesus purchased you back from this world system. And because of the blood of Jesus, you now belong to God and everything that you have is his and all that you are is his and including the breath in your lungs. And then you could go into singing that if you were going to start with that place. You know, so have a scripture ready in your spirit for your set list, you know, for these different transitions in your songs and don't relegate yourself to a place where you have to just say the words of the next <laughs> worship song before you go into it and start singing it. I can't tell you how many times I've had that happen and it always, always comes across cheesy. It never comes across good. 
It never comes across polished. It always seems like you're unprepared. So that's number one. Number one, do not use the words of your next song as the exhortation between songs. Number two, one of my least favorite things to hear preachers and praise and worship leaders say, and this is something that's really only said mostly in like Pentecostal churches. And like, I'm talking about like wild Pentecostal churches. And you know, some guys can get away with it in the moment. And I'm talking about, you have to be like Bishop TD Jakes to get by with saying this, but can we stop saying slap somebody and say, can we please stop encouraging people in the congregation to slap one another and say something like who's really going to do that anyway? Who's going to slap somebody that they're sitting next to and then tell them something that you want them to say, slap somebody and tell them you're going to your next level. I mean, like, do you really expect me to turn to the person? What if it's like a first time visitor of the church? Do you want me to slap their face? (laughs) That just struck me funny. Imagining myself turning, turning next to a person next to me that was a first time visitor. And slapping their face and saying, you're about to go to your next level. <laughs> oh, that's insane. You're like, well, people, can you imagine going home from the service after that? Guy slapped me right in the face and told me something about I'm going to my next level. Guys, guys driving home from your church for the first time, first time visitor. He's got the gift bag in the passenger seat and a big red hand mark on the side of his face. (laughs) He gets home to his family. What in the world happened to you, Robert? I was in church and the guy next to me slapped my my face. I'm trying to hold it together. (laughs) The guy slapped my face and told me I was going to another level. (laughs) What a stupid thing. Slap somebody and tell them you're going to another level. Oh, my God. You have to be like Bishop Jakes to get away with that. I don't know who else really can get away with saying slap somebody i'm gonna start using that same phrase but i'm gonna start using it like um i'm gonna change up the violent action (laughs) i'm like kick your neighbor's shin and tell him (laughs) (laughs) chop your neighbor's throat and tell him you're going to another level (laughs) can we just quit with the whole look at your neighbor and do it of you know somehow accost them and then tell them some revelatory thing. Can we just stop doing that? Isn't it enough that we have to turn to our neighbor awkwardly and repeat some extremely long phrase that you just came up with on the spot. That's not even worded properly. Grammatically. Can't we just, doesn't that suffice? Aren't you happy with us just doing that? 
Why do we also have to slap them? Why do we have to like high five them? You know, I don't mind. I like high fiving people. I don't think people high five enough loudly in public high fiving to hear the slap. In fact, I wish if you're one of my close friends listening to the podcast today, I wish we could start jumping into the air and high fiving like the end of 80s sitcom shows at the beach. We could jump in the air together and slap five and the the show would end with that that frame paused on the screen. But seriously, guys, can we just stop saying slap somebody and say or, you know, it just I, it's, you know, and here's here's the problem. Here's the problem with it. Most anybody that says it, I mean, like ninety nine point nine 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 percent of people that say that phrase, it sounds disingenuous. It sounds very fake because nobody talks like that. So, like, you know, if you're up on there with your acoustic guitar and you're feeling your moment of victory in the service and you say slap somebody and tell them, most likely it's not going to happen, Jack. I'm not going to slap anyone. I may turn and say what you said, but I'm not slapping the person. So just get over it. Not going to slap anybody. So this isn't Simon Says. Number three. (laughs) What a segue. Number three. We've got to stop doing this. What is it? The preemptive apology. I'm so tired of the preemptive apology. What does that mean? It's when a worship leader gets up and says stuff like this. Y'all just pray for me today. I just, I just, I I want you to just pray. I I haven't, uh, I haven't had time really to practice this song. Uh, We haven't had time to go over this. So I want you to just pray for us as we do this next song. Or they'll say stuff like this. Y'all just pray for me. The enemy's been attacking my voice all week long. Don't listen to my voice. Listen to the lyrics of the song. All these preemptive apologies. Just do the song, dude. We're going to judge it the same way, no matter how, if you do the preemptive apology or not. No one cares. All people care about is production. Did you do it or did you not do it? Did you pull it off or did you not pull it off? And the thing is, I always wonder this because, you know, we're supposed to press for excellence. We're, We're supposed to press for excellence. So if... You're up there and your job is being the worship leader of the church. And you say, we didn't have time to practice this this week. It's like, what then are you doing? You know, even if you work another job and you're the praise and worship leader, it's like, what are you doing with 168 hours in your week? You only work 40 hours a week. So here's the question. With the 128 remaining hours, what are you doing with your week? That you and your band didn't have time to practice that chord, that song that has three chords in it, you know, and a melody line that a toddler could remember. What were you doing? It's like most people are just lazy. So, so like literally, stop with the whole preemptive apology. Hey Amen. We didn't have time to practice this week, but don't listen to the the skill with which we play the song. But listen to the heart behind the worship. We didn't have to. Oh, the devil's been attacking my voice. Don't listen to my voice. Listen to the lyrics. You know, it's like give me a break. Just just cut the preemptive apology out because you're afraid that people are going to judge. You know how you're doing your worship. Just stop it. Just stop it. I can't take it anymore. Can't take the preemptive apology. You know what's interesting. I was in a meeting recently 
where the praise and worship leaders actually said, how many of you, you know, you really, you really don't really, you're having a hard time following and singing along with the songs because you don't really know the songs and then waited for people to raise their hands. And they actually said, us too, we don't really know the songs that well. And um, this next one, we really don't know. Go ahead, let's click it off. That was like the exhortation in between. Yeah, we don't really know the songs either. And this next one, we really don't know. <laughs> it's like, might have wanted to practice a few before you stepped onto the platform. But, you know, just can we just stop with the preemptive apologies? You know, number four, the fourth thing we should quit doing as praise and worship leaders is telling God a story during a prayer. This one gets me every time. I cannot stand this because normally what it is, it's like they want to tell the people a story, but then they end up doing it while they're praying to God. Like, what do you think? You're telling God a story that he didn't know? What do you think? He's in heaven like, oh my goodness, what a wonderful, I never heard that. Jesus, have you heard that? I've never heard that one before. Wow, that's a great story. It built really built my faith up here in heaven. No. And it's like they're sitting there talking. What they really want to do is to, they thought of the story mid-prayer and wanted to tell it to the people, but too late, you're already praying. So what do you do? You tell it to God during the prayer. Let me give you an example. This happens all the time. The people will be like this. Lord, in Jesus' name, increase our faith, God. Lord, give us a boldness to do things that other people would find crazy. Father, like Smith Wigglesworth did when he walked in to that funeral parlor, Lord. And then, Lord, he opened up those French doors and the man was laying in the casket, Lord. And then he went into the, to the casket, Lord, and grabbed the man by the lapels, God, and pulled his dead body out of the casket and slammed him against the wall, Lord, and said, live in Jesus' name. But the man fell to the ground, Lord Jesus. And then he picked him up again and said, live in Jesus' name, O God. And then the man fell to the ground again and he picked him up a third time. And, O God, he slammed him to the wall and said, live. In Jesus' name, O God. And the man sneezed and came back to life, O Lord Jesus. Let that same kind of boldness. It's like, did you think God didn't know that story? Don't you realize he was the one there anointing Smith Wigglesworth? If you want to tell the story to the people, tell it to the people before you pray. But don't make us, don't force us to sit there and listen to you retell a story to God, as it were, during a prayer because you thought of it late and wanted everybody to hear it. You know, that's annoying to me because it's like the premise of it is so stupid. It's like, oh, while I'm praying, Lord, let me just tell you a story. Let me just tell you some things, God, that happened in the past. I don't know if you were there for it or if you are able to see the replay on Facebook, oh God, but let me tell you some wonderful things that have happened in church history, oh Lord. It's like, give me a break. Stop telling God stories during prayer. Just pray and move on with the service. Just pray and move on with the service. This is going to be too much. I can tell already. Um, <laughs> let's move on. Number five, fifth thing we need to stop doing as worship leaders and saying is the whole we're so unworthy of. I can't stand hearing that from people is that they'll be up doing their worship set. And then they're like, as they're up there doing it, they're like praying in between songs, like, Oh God, 
We're so unworthy of your love. We're so unworthy of your presence, God. We're so unworthy of your power and your glory, oh Lord. It's like way to suck all faith and expectancy completely out of the room with your, you know, superficial fake cry voice prayer telling God how unworthy you are of everything you have from him. Realize he made you worthy to receive what he gave you as an inheritance when he purchased you with the blood of Jesus. So stop saying how unworthy you are of everything when he made you worthy by purchasing you with the blood of Jesus Christ. Christ has redeemed you. You are now a new creation. You're not a sinner saved by grace. You're not some old, you know, uh, filthy individual that's racked with, you know, sin and death. That's not who you are. You're a new creature in Christ Jesus. And he, by the blood of Jesus, made you worthy of receiving his blessings. So don't come at it from the standpoint, oh God, we're so unworthy. Like, what is that doing for the people you're leading worship with? Like, is that building their faith? Is that putting their mind in a place where they're recognizing their new creation realities? Is that is that putting people in a place of faith and expectancy to receive? Or is it put people in a place where they start to wonder, is God really going to give me the things I'm believing for because I am so unworthy of everything? No, he made you worthy by purchasing you by the blood of Jesus Christ. So stop standing up on the stage and talking about for, you know, time after time, how unworthy, you know what the, really the reason that happens a lot is because the worship leaders themselves feel unworthy. And it might be because people are living in sin and they've, they've stepped onto the stage like in sin and in the conviction of the Holy ghost, they realize their lives need to turn around but they've got like issues that they, they've not yet dealt with. And so they're like thankful God's using them. But at the same time, they feel the conviction of the things that are in their life. Like, oh God, we're so unworthy, but you use us anyway. You know, I'm not you. So don't group me in with you because you've got issues and can't seem to get free. But for some reason, your pastor can't discern the fact you're not even serving the Lord, but still uses you for the praise and worship services. Don't group me in with you. You know, build people's faith, encourage people, set people in a place of expectancy by what you say and pray, and don't put people in a place of, you know, trepidation where they're wondering if God's going to even come through for them. Stop with the we're so unworthy of during the praise and worship services. It's craziness. Stop it. He made you worthy. He seated you in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. You are currently, your spirit man is in the same place as Christ. And he's given you all blessings. Ephesians 1.3, you've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. That's where you are. That's who you are. And that's who you need to identify as. Number six, this kind of goes in with number five, but quit it with the fake cry voice. It's so disingenuous. It is so disingenuous. It's such a turnoff in these services when people use the fake cry voice. I can't stand it. You know, you don't have to do that to gain rapport with the audience, you know, to make them feel like you're really feeling the spirit up there. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, God, we praise you tonight. Thank you, Jesus. I mean, like if you're really crying, praise God. 
that you got touched by the anointing. That's fine. If you really got a touch and you really are crying, but don't do this. Like, like I've seen it so often where like a praise and worship leader will do that stupid cry voice, you know, like while he's in his moment. And as soon as the pastor takes over, he snapped right out of it. And he's like smiling with the other band members. And like, he was gone right back to normal. That wasn't a move of the spirit. That wasn't God, you know, overwhelming you with his glory. It was just you trying to like come across as a super spiritual worship leader using the cry voice. Like you've really, really felt the presence of God. I've seen pastors do that. You know, they'll, they'll get up before they give me the microphone and do that thing where with the cry voice and then sit down and talk to me on the front row while there's one more song and they're like back to normal again. You know, it's like, just be normal. Just be genuine. People like genuine. They can spot fake a mile away. And there's nothing more of a turnoff than fake, you know, disingenuous people that just want you to think that this is how they are. But you can tell very easily that that's not who they are. Oh, hallelujah. What a wonderful evening in the presence of the Lord. It's like, dude, you sound like you have mental problems. Just stop and talk like a normal person. You know, God's not like offended if you stand up and say, what a wonderful evening we've had in the presence of the Lord. How many really felt the presence of God tonight? You don't have to go, what a wonderful evening we've had. And how many felt the presence of God tonight? It's like, just be normal. You realize if you did that anywhere else in the world, they would just basically lock you up in a straitjacket and take you to a padded room. You mental patient. (laughs) I threw that in for somebody that referenced it from my last one. It's like, it's insane. Cut the fake cry voice out and just be normal for God. Just be normal. I think that should just be the title of this podcast. Just be normal. (laughs) Number seven, seventh thing worship leaders need to stop doing and saying is any references at all to any form of cuddling with God. Please, please stop this. Like when it takes place in a service, I can feel bile in the back of my throat. Like that I'm about to throw up feeling. It's so like, to me, it's so out there. I can't do it. Like don't exhort me to like lay my head back against his chest and feel the heartbeat uh, uh, like on my back and neck is like, you know, that just stop grossing me out, you know, because you haven't had any affection from your husband in the last three months that you have to do like R and B style exhortations. Just begin to lay in his arms. Just lay your head against his strong chest and feel his heartbeat on your face and neck and know that he's there holding you and loves you and just feel him begin to caress you as he holds you in a in a warm embrace in the spirit. It's like, dude, you're nuts. Like, I always think this way. What if there were like six guys that walked into the service, first-time visitors? They were like construction workers, like, you know, hard men. And they came into a service where like you're singing these types of songs and saying these types of things. They're like, they're on the fence with whether or not they're going to get saved. But all they see is like all these people that are like weepy and sitting around, just begin to lay your head on his chest. Let him, can you feel his breath on your neck as he begins to breathe over you? 
hold him tightly and feel him caress your back as you it's like dude just chill out with the whole like you know affectionate physical touch scenarios we get it you need more affection from your husband when you're home you need more affection from your wife stop letting it bleed over into your praise and worship leading it's freaking us all out i'm on the verge of vomiting on the front row because you've not had affection god is yes he's a loving heavenly father Yes, but he's also a warrior. He's victorious. So, like, stop always pulling us into the emotional, you know, deficiencies that you're experiencing with the cuddling references of God. I was actually, and you heard me say this, and I think it was the Stories from the Road episode, where I actually heard the guy say that God wants to be your tickle monster. He wants you to run up in his arms like a little kid, and he wants to be your tickle monster and tickle you up. It's like, dude... No, he doesn't. I can't think of any scripture reference that says God wants to tickle us. Not one. And I've read the Bible often. There are no references to God wanting to tickle his children. So stop being weird about it. Stop making God some weird father figure. He's not weird. He's loving. Yes. He's caring. Yes. But he's not weird. Number eight. Let's move on. Because I can tell my grace for a rant is not going to last forever. Some people may already be getting offended. If you are, I'd like to thank you for listening to this podcast for the last time. God bless you as you go. Traveling mercies. Um, (laughs) Number eight. One thing praise and worship leaders need to stop doing is dressing like a meth addict. Stop looking like a meth addict on the platform. Here's an idea. Wash your hair once in a while. Enough with the greasy, hanging down hair, guys. You know, the trucker caps. Can we stop with the trucker caps and the and the greasy hair? Can we stop with, like, the, the grease-stained jeans and boots? Like, what in the world? It looks like somebody took you right out of the show Cops. Like, you were getting dragged out of a crack house on the show Cops, but right at the last minute, a pastor showed up and said, hey, can I take him into my personal custody because I need him to lead worship at my church this Sunday? Like, I've seen too many people, you know, that are up, you know, if you've got on, like, plaid shorts and, like, a graphic tee and, like, sandals, you know, it's time to rethink how you feel about representing God at his house. So, well, it's, you know, it's, um, you know, God doesn't anoint you based on what you're wearing. I agree with that. God doesn't anoint you based on what you're wearing. However, what you're wearing is a sign of respect unto God. And you're not like a first-time visitor. It's not like it's one of these things from the website, like, come as you are. Jesus has open arms. You don't have to wear a suit and tie. Come however you feel comfortable dressing. I, you know, I get all that. But you're a leader in the church, and you look like somebody that's a, a you know, you look like like an extra on the the set of Breaking Bad. You know, it's strung out. It's like take care of yourself. Stop looking like a bum as you represent God in front of in front of his people. It's crazy. You know, nobody else you wouldn't do that for any other important situation. If you were going to go to the White House and meet the president, you would not show up in your stupid plaid shorts and graphic tee and Birkenstocks. 
with your trucker cap on. You wouldn't do it. If you were going to go meet with important dignitaries, you wouldn't look like that. First of all, they'd never have you meet with them. But secondly, you know, you wouldn't look like that if they did. You would show respect. You know, you wouldn't go to court looking like that. If you did, the judge might hold you in contempt of court for looking like a bum. So do do the best for God's house. Why are people dressing like meth addicts at church? And like, I'm going to add another one. This is just a bonus, so there'll be 10. Put your shoes back on. Put your, sh- I know the whole thing about this is holy ground and, you know, take off your shoes, Moses. And But we don't want to see your nasty feet on the platform looking like one of the children of the forest. <laughs> And if you are going to stand barefoot on the platform with worship like some supernatural hippie, please take care of your feet. You know, I shouldn't be snapped out of worship because you look like Frodo Baggins in the feet. If you've got <laughs> if you've got hairy, overgrown toenail, dirt under your toenail style feet, calluses all over your heels and discoloration, Put some socks on, (laughs) you nasty. Put some socks and shoes on those feet. You're freaking me out. And Don't give me this, it's holy ground. I had to take my shoes off. It's holy ground to me too. Put them back on. You're freaking me out. Your feet are nasty. Can we stop looking like insane people on God's platform and come back to representing him with excellence, please? I'm just saying what all you pastors want to say. Just just transfer my podcast to the people you want to say it to. And finally, number nine, which is really number 10, thanks to the feet one. Can we stop poorly remaking secular songs? Can we just stop that? Literally, it's obnoxious. What do you think? God doesn't have any other new ideas in heaven that he has to get you to find some old secular song to remake for the church makes me laugh. I've, I've sung, you know, remakes of songs, but it's like, it gets overkill. I was at a youth conference and they had some Rihanna and what's her name song. It was an old, you know, song. I'm going to run this town tonight. And all they did was God's going to run this town tonight. It's like, give me a break, man. You know, I was at a youth conference one time instead of, um, this was back when the 50 Cent song in, in the club was real popular. You can find me in the club, bottle full of blood, that, that whole. And, there was, and they literally changed it. You can find me in the church, lobby full of merch. I don't know <laughs> what they were saying. It was the dumbest thing ever. Just so that they can pander to the kids that have come to the conference and try to act like it's cool. And, you know, it's not cool. And it's not cool when they do it in worship. It's just like it comes across as like dumb. Like God didn't run out of ideas. So, you know, sing songs that are glorifying to him and and he'll anoint you. So literally stop poorly remaking secular songs and and, and sing stuff God gives you. You know, I want to encourage you to do what Ephesians chapter five says and sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs unto the Lord, making melody to the Lord in your heart. You know, if you're filled with the Holy Ghost, do those things. He'll give you spiritual songs. He'll give you supernatural things to sing. Psalm 40 and verse 3 can be your story 
where the Bible says that God will put a new song in your mouth, a song of praise unto our God. Many will hear it and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Really, I want to take this time to pray for every person that's listening, even though this was a rant. I really believe in you, and I really believe that God's going to use you greatly to bring people into greater places of worship and encountering the presence of God in a way that's not half insane, you know, (laughs) that's not going to snap people out of their moment of worship, their encounter with God, because something's wrong. But I do want to pray for you that God would continue to increase your gift and to use you for his glory more mightily than ever. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that you would touch every man and woman listening to the podcast today. I pray that you would increase our gift, our anointing. Let the fire of God fill us up in Jesus' mighty name. Use us in these final moments of time before Jesus comes back to bring people to the saving knowledge of Christ and to make a change on our generation. We thank you for it, Lord. We give you praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Hope you enjoyed it today. Hope you laughed when I laughed. It made me laugh anyway. This was good for me. Um, But don't forget, next week, if you're listening to this in the same week it was released, Worship Summit 2019, May the 7th through the 10th. We'd love to see you there. It's free. You can register online, southeastworship.com. I really, really hope to see you there. It's going to be phenomenal. I love you guys, and I'll talk to you again next week on Monday right here on the podcast. But don't forget, goodness and mercy are following you for the rest of your life. I'll talk to you soon. We would love for you to join us in a live service. To find out when Ted Shuttlesworth Jr. will be near you, please visit our website at www.miracleword.com. Oh,